Again, please find a seat. We're going to go ahead and get started in just a minute. Live streamers, we're so happy to see you as well. We're so happy that you decided to be with us tonight. What a good choice you made. I just pray that the Lord will bless you right where you are. For some reason, this is cutting out, so I'll just apologize in advance. I'm doing the best I can. Go ahead and take... Live streamers, get your pencil and paper. Get your bag of chips, whatever's going to stop you from being ready here. We want to be doers of the word and not just hearers, so take some notes. You know, if you have children, you know, we have to repeat, so take some notes so you can remind yourself. We're going to go ahead and get seated. Have a seat anywhere you want. Um, we just have two short announcements tonight. The first one is just a reminder about the school supplies box in the back, and I've seen some people have put some things in there. That is just so exciting. Thank you for sowing that seed. I know our families here appreciate it. And, you know, we'll get good use out of those school supplies. If there's any extra, we're going to share them with the school and be a blessing to them. So if the Lord puts that on your heart, please pick up a school supply and toss it in the box. There's a list in case you need to know what we need. We also have fellowship joy fellowship this sunday it's at 5 p.m um it's for the 55 and crowd but if you want to come please come certainly you know we can all learn from each other and it's i'm sure there's many lessons to learn there it's a potluck so bring something you know it's gonna be good and bring something to share I think those are all the announcements that we have. Please go ahead and have a seat. Otherwise, we'll just get started without you, and you can find your home here in just a minute. Welcome again, family of faith. What a great night to be here in the house of the Lord. It's a little bit warm, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? We're just that reminds us of what the creature comforts that we have here. So let's just pray before we get started. Lord, I thank you for the creature comforts. God, may we never take for granted all the things that you provide for us. Lord, I thank you for every child that's in here tonight joining us for worship. Lord, I just thank you that we are able to come to you. Lord, that our children can come to you. You are so faithful, God, and I just thank you for that. Lord, I praise you for the goodness that you give us every single day. Lord, may we never take for granted the, the tiny things that you give us. Lord, you know every heart that is in this room and that is watching on live stream. Nothing is hidden from you, God, and I just thank you for that because you know what we need. And so, Lord, I just pray that your spirit of knowledge, your understanding, God, your wisdom would just fall in this place. And on those on the live stream tonight, that a seed would be planted, Lord, that no devil in hell could snatch away. God, that it would grow ferociously in such a time as this. Change our hearts, Lord. Teach us what love is. Thank you for loving us, Lord. And help us to love you more. In the name of Jesus, amen. Stand on your feet. Let's worship the champion of heaven tonight. Amen.
mercies are new.
you just to lift your hands to him. He is so worthy of our worship. Let's just sing this and tell him that we know you will, you will remain faithful. We know that he will. If he's remained faithful to you, just stretch your hands to him. He is worthy of our worship. You are worthy of our worship, Father. You are so good. And if you did nothing else in our lives, you have done enough by sending your son. We just give you all of our worship, Lord. We give you our full hearts, Father. All of the glory, all of the honor, all of the praise.
you've done before in greater measure and you will do again cause there's no prison wall you can't break through no mountain you can't move all things are possible Chains hit the ground. Oh God, 
Father, that we would be waiting with our eyes locked on you. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. You've given us a helper to walk through this life. And I thank you, Father. I pray that we will listen when you speak to us, God, that we will be so close to to you that we hear a whisper. That we are so close to you, Lord, that no one can distract us, that we can stay on the straight and narrow path that you had set forth for us. And Lord, that we would be living in a constant state of revival in our hearts. That we'll be living at home the way that you want us to be living, Lord. That it's not a show, that we don't come here to get filled up and then come back empty, God, but we're continually filling ourselves up at home through the word. That we are getting to know you more and more, just like a bridegroom wants to know his bride. We thank you, God, for the gift that you gave and for calling our names, Lord, for preparing a place for us even now. Have your way with us, God. Have your way with us in this city, Lord. I pray that we would be a church that we can just serve your people, Lord, and that you will show us where we need to go, Father, that you will show us the lights that need to be cast out in this city, Father, that we will do great things for your glory, Lord. We just thank you, God, for you are moving, Lord that you're still working, that you are still a miracle worker, that you are still casting light on the darkness. We love you with all that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so glad to have you here with us. If you could just go around and greet some of your family of faith this evening and the kids are dismissed, we're glad to see you tonight.
All right, kids can, kids can go get checked in if you haven't started that process yet while they're doing that before we take up tithing offering. Uh, by the way, live streamers, it's good to have you tonight. Um, something I said on Sunday, let me uh, just throw this out again. There is a um, women's shelter in Bell Fountain that I know some people that are looking to uh, just repaint the outside and do a, a project for them. If you're interested in helping with that, let me know. that They don't have a date picked yet, but we will uh, just connect you with uh, their names are Tim and Colleen. So if you're interested in that, let me know. A um, couple other things. Uh, first off, Lori Ricketts, I know she's in the back chatting, so she's not hearing me right now. Uh, she's about ready to head off on her tour day food truck that ends up in West Virginia. She's going to be gone for a while after tonight, so we want to pray with you before you go. All right, so I want to let everybody know that. I think you're going to be gone, what, for six weeks after tonight? Eight? That's terrible. I know. Terrible. But anyways. <laughs> but we'll, we'll pray for you tonight before you head out. Also, um, everybody knows Rick and Tish and Josh and Macy and Jenny. Uh, Tish's father is, is pretty much in, in the last moments from what I understand. So the family is, is there with him tonight. So just keep the family in prayer. Uh, so Rick and Tish, Tish's uh, dad, and, and then uh, Josh and Macy, obviously, and, and certainly Jenny, that's her grandfather. So uh, keep them in prayer tonight as, uh, and through the weekend for whatever process has happened there, okay? So we'll keep that in mind. And also tomorrow morning, we've got some of our youth heading to youth camp, and I know they're excited about that. So for the next three days, tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, and through the evening, keep them in mind and pray for them. And we believe God's going to show up and blow the doors off the place, and, and some good things are going to happen. So uh, I know they, they probably think they got about 100 young people that are going to be there this weekend. And I'm going to go check in on it Friday and hang out and give the word Friday night. But I pray for the young people that are there. It's going to be a good time. All right, tithe and offering, if you have it ready, I'm going to pray, and you can bring it down. Lord, we thank you. Uh, to be in your house and worship with, with believers, those that believe in your name, and, and we are people that, that have given ourselves to you. And I pray as we give tonight, uh, Lord, again, as always, as we, as we stand in and always pray at the offering time, we're people that continually learn how to live in your provision and what it means to, to be in that, Lord. And, and all the things that it, that it teaches us uh, to be givers and to grow into uh, that nature that you have, that you're a good God who is, who is freely giving, Lord, and that, that we become like that in how we live, Lord. And, and part of what we're taught in our giving is to be that way, Lord. So I thank you for the growth of ourselves in the fact that we give. In Jesus' name, and everybody says, amen. amen. Bring it if you have it. But it is good to see you all tonight. And um, Joy Fellowship, as Kelly said, is supposed to be happening Sunday at 5. Don't forget that and all that good stuff. So if you've got your Bibles, the book of Romans, we are still there and we'll be there for a while. But you got your word, get it out. And you can open up to chapter number 7. And it's where uh, we left off last time was beginning of chapter 7. We were kind of in the pattern of hitting a chap uh, two chapters uh, each time, we're not going necessarily verse by verse, but hitting some of the big themes in Romans. And Romans is, is thick with so many different things. But again, Paul, in one big way, is, is getting the church in Rome on the same page about what the gospel is. And that is faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. And that we uh, 
are, are people who live by faith and, and live a life in conjunction with the leading of the Holy Spirit. And this is sort of where we'll be getting uh, tonight, especially as we go into chapter number eight. All right, so chapter seven and verse number one. So if you have your Bibles, again, you can go there. And again, picking up mid-thought with Paul, we're, we're coming out of this uh, talk that we're, we're dead to sin, but we're alive to God. We were slaves to sin, but now we are slaves to God. Um, verse seven, Paul Chapter 1, I'm sorry, verse 1 of chapter 7, Paul sort of expounds a little bit more of what he said at one point uh, not long ago in the letter that we are not under law any longer, but we're under grace. So he says, Or do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. So Paul gives an example here of sort of a, a bigger picture of what he's talking about. Verse 2. For a married woman is bound to the law, by the law to her husband, while he lives. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she would be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, you know, the, the, the marriage covenant. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. So, uh, a man and a woman come together in marriage covenant. As long as both partners are alive, you can't go be with somebody else. That's pretty simple, right? But if one in the marriage relationship dies, in the case of what Paul's writing here, if the husband dies, then the, the, the woman is free to go marry and be with somebody. She is not in adultery if that's the case, right? So Paul likens that to our relationship to the law. Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of, of Christ. Now, and remember that whole, whole business that, that we were buried with him and all that kind of stuff, okay? Paul is kind of drawing back onto that right now. So that you may belong to another, to him. So in other words, we don't belong to the law anymore, but now we belong to Jesus, who has been raised from the dead in order that we might bear the fruit of God. While we were living in our flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit of death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code or the Mosaic law. Okay, so in other words, Paul is saying, obviously we know that the law exposes sin. The law was given, as he says many times in this letter, the law was good. It served a purpose. It had its time. But the gospel is what sets you free. Amen. The law was an interim option, but not final. As a matter of fact, it could not fix the ultimate problem, which is sin. Right. It was good in its time. But now the era is in Jesus. So in Christ Jesus, we died to the law. Now we live to Jesus. And again, you can't live in both properly. Like you can't be married to one person and go be with somebody else. To be free to be with the other person, this has to die. And that's what Paul's getting at here. Now again, as we go into verse 7, um, again, Paul is, is very diplomatic in Romans in dealing with uh, those that are under the law, the Mosaic law, and those kind of different things, because he is, remember, bringing peace or trying to make sure 
that those in a Roman church, those that were living under the law and those that were not, lived together in proper unity. So nowhere in the book of Romans does he trash the law. Okay, now, if you want to find a place where he just gets hardcore about it, go to Galatians. Now, what happened in Galatians was he was there, the church established, it's growing, then the Judaizers came in trying to bring those there into circumcision and the law, and Paul wasn't having it, and he's like, just get those guys out of there. But we're not going to have this business. That's not necessarily what's going on here, is he's trying to bring an understanding of one another it's all the way back to the beginning of the letter. Remember, first for the Jews then for the Gentiles, and at times he addresses those under the law, and sometimes he addresses those not under the law, okay? So what he does in verse 7 is, again, he affirms that the law was good. It says, what shall we say? That the law was sin by no means. So in other words, the law itself is not sin, but the law makes us conscious to sin, okay? That's what he's getting at. Now, now what's really interesting here is Romans chapter uh, seven verses seven all the way down through 25 is one of the most talked about and debated passages of scripture in the entire New Testament. And, and, and you can study different uh, uh, commentaries, you can study different ways that people see this, but, it, but it's highly debated. Uh, in this section, Paul actually starts to write what you would consider in the first person. He uses the word I a lot right here, where you don't see that uh, much before or even after this in the book of Romans. Um, I will say this, based on chapter 6, what we read in chapter 7, in my opinion, can't be post-conversion in Jesus Paul talking. And I'll explain why in a minute. It either has to be pre-conversion in, in, in uh, pre-conversion Paul um, who has the law but, but we see the struggle he has with sin in spite of it because the reason is because right before this Paul says that we die to sin right we're not slaves to it we're now slaves to God but then in chapter 7 it looks like he's struggling with sin and those things don't line up uh, there's other ways uh, people have seen it maybe it's an overlay of the history of, of Israel as he's using the eye as a bigger picture as Paul is an Israelite himself, a Pharisee. Um, I was actually yesterday, I was on a, a Zoom call with my friend Mark Trump. He's a professor uh, at university down in Georgia, Christian school. He's in the biblical studies department. Mark is a super sharp guy. He was, for a while, he was the adjunct professor of Greek at Asbury Theological Seminary. The dude is smart. Anyways, we were, we were talking about Romans 7, and, and he, uh, and I've heard this before, we talked about this, he, he feels it's an overlay of Adam because we were just with Adam in chapter 5. Remember chapter 5, Paul, uh, he contrasts Adam and Jesus. Adam was the first man, Jesus is the new man. Adam is old, Jesus is new. And, and kind of draws that into it. So let, let's kind of read this, and I'll, I'll show you what I'm talking about. Okay. So, let's just start in verse 7. What shall we say? That the law is sin by no means. Yet if it had not been for the law, I would have not known sin. So again, the law exposes what sin is. For I would ha not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin... Seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin is dead. I was once alive apart from the law, 
But when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. And the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. But did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin may be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful. Okay, that seems kind of a lot of overlay there. And what is he getting at? So if, if we're going to overlay Adam, okay, right here. And the reason some people think it's, he's kind of overlaying Adam is because the law commandment that he picks out to use is covet. What does covet mean? You want something that's not yours and you can't have it. And it's sinful not only to covet it, but then try to take it. So if we overlay Adam, Adam is made, and then in what he was made, after he was made, then he was told, see that tree there? You may not eat of its fruit, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right? So before the commandment was there, there was no need for that sin because Adam didn't know that to covet that would be sin. Does that make sense? Now, I was just talking to uh, Samara and Judah a little beforehand, and she told me a story that kind of lines up with this. She was painting in a house, and she had Rhett with her. Now, how many know this is already a disaster? Okay? I'm kidding. She went to go somewhere and told Rhett, don't touch the paint. Right? She left, and by the time she came back, Rhett had the paintbrush all the way down the paint doing boy things, right? Is that correct? It's kind of like what Paul's saying there. I could say to all of you in this room, see that table, don't touch it. And then I leave. And there's going to be some of you in here go, why can't I touch that table? Is there something he doesn't want me to have there? Is, am I going to gain something? Is it going to hurt me? And you start asking all these, and you're going to want to find out why you can't touch that table. How many know what I'm talking about? The commandment arises that desire. That's what Paul's getting at here. So when Adam was told, don't eat of that, he, it aroused covetousness in him to do so. And then we know the enemy came and worked with that, and then we know what happened. We know the story. And at that point, the commandment was the avenue for the sin to happen, and death came. That's in a certain way what Paul's getting at here. So in this, we understand that even when we have the commandment, without the life-giving spirit, eventually the commandment will produce sin. See what I'm getting at? That's what Paul's saying here. So let's keep reading. Verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual. In other words, the law was given from God. It was from him. But I am under the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I, now, watch, watch what Paul's saying here. This is why this, this really can't be post-Jesus conversion Paul. Watch what he's saying. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I, I do and, and not want, I agree with the law that, it is, that the law is good. In other words, the law is exposing sin, but ultimately the law brings condemnation because we end up in sin. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin who dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is my flesh. For I have desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not 
do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. So I find a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Now, you see what I'm getting at? Paul just got done telling us in chapter 6, you are dead to sin. You're a slave to God, right? And, and remember chapter 6, verse number 1? How is it that we should continue to sin so grace increases? By no means. So you can't say Paul's saying all that stuff. Then he would get to chapter 7. He said, by the way, you're going to keep struggling with this. It's just part of who you are. Just keep giving in to it. It, it doesn't work. So this is a pre-experience with Jesus and a life-giving spirit that he's talking about, and, and it makes more sense when we get down to verse 25. Let's go to verse 24. So Paul, in this state, knowing what the law is, but not being able to fulfill it, what a wretched man that I am. And who will deliver me from this body of death. See what he's getting at? I know what is right, but yet, even though I want to do right, I keep doing what's wrong. Even though I, I know the things I should do, evil's always right there. And this sin, this fleshly sin, it just works itself out. How do I overcome this? Because that makes me a wretched person. That is why the law can't save. The law exposes sin. But the law can't save you from sin. The law is something you can know, but it doesn't help you live in the way of the righteousness of God. Amen? But watch what Paul says. Here's his answer, verse 25. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment Jesus is the one that then can give us the life of, of the Spirit where we can live the new life that you could not live without him. Now, and, and Paul just kind of jumps back here. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but my flesh I serve the law of sin. But in Jesus, watch this, chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Underline it, circle it, highlight it, live by that. In Christ Jesus, I have no guilt of sin because I have been declared righteous before God. I'm justified. You couldn't get that without him. From the very first time God gave a command, Adam, don't eat of that tree. Right? All the way through the calling of Abraham, we see the, before Abraham, the stories of the Old Testament. We got Noah and the flood and all these different things happening. Then you have the giving of the Mosaic law eventually, all the things that happen. It don't matter until we get to Christ Jesus, his birth, the inauguration of the kingdom, his death, his resurrection. You cannot find the fullness of justification by anything that came before him. It cannot happen. Amen. So there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. In other words, what is exposed to death, you've been set free from it. Now watch verse 3. 
in verse 4. This, this is important. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. We know that was the action of the cross. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. You see that? In Christ Jesus, the righteous requirement of the law was fulfilled for me and in me. That's why I'm released from it. Jesus took it. And all that sin was condemned in him, the work of the cross. Therefore, I am free. That now I'm now dead to that, free to marry another, which is Jesus. And live what? In faith. You see what Paul's drawing here. Okay, we'll keep going. Uh, let's see. Where am I going? Let me see. Um, I'm trying not to go verse by verse. I want to see where I, where I can uh, pick up here. Let's see. All right, verse 9. Let's go to verse 9. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. As a matter of fact, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, and anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. And the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. And that, that is just now, but it's looking forward to the resurrection. So then, brothers, who are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Again, this is why what we were just reading in chapter 7, it, God is in a way, in the life of the Spirit, in the work that Jesus is bringing out of living in the flesh. So in other words, we can't say, well, I'm human, I guess I just can sin. No. For those who are led by the Spirit, verse 14, are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That's kind of double father, father. Abba in Aramaic, then, then father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, talking about the resurrection, provided we suffer with him in order that we also may be glorified with him. When the Spirit of God resides in you, that whole business of reconciliation, all the stuff we're talking about on Sundays, redemption, he is your father. And now we cry, Abba, Father. Amen. It's a closeness of relationship. Now, who is this for? This is for the Jew, and this is for the Gentile, for those who believe. And, and look at the, the, this, this bigger picture of what God is doing in bringing together his family that started with the elect of Israel but now has grown to the entire world. For all who would believe, this is, this is, the, this is uh, Abraham, his, his visions of, of, of descendants, as many as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. We are in fulfillment of this. And we are all in the family of God 
who cry, Abba, Father, because God is our Father and heirs of everything that he is bringing to us, which is eternal life and the riches of his glory. Amen. Okay, let's keep going. All right, verse 19. Let's see, verse 19. And Paul gets into um, a bigger picture here. For creation, this is the world, our, our physical planet. For the creation waits in eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, that is the resurrection of the dead. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willing, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that for the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, we are the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly, as we eagerly wait eagerly to be adopted as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, now notice, he closed there at the end of that sentence. We were, remember, that's past tense. You're saved. We were saved. But there's also, again, we say this so much here, a future salvation was the culmination of redemptions of our body. Get the revelation, new heaven, new earth. He's going to make all things brand new, including this earth that we, we live on, that was made for us to, to, to subsist our lives. It's going to be made brand new. And even the earth is groaning, waiting for the full redemption of the work of Jesus. The work of Jesus on the cross was a cosmic work. It, it was for all things. It wasn't just for people, by the way. It was for creation, too. At some point, this earth that we're standing on will be liberated from the sin that has had it in bondage since the sin of Adam. We'll be liberated. And we will live in a new creation, new heaven, new earth by the power of the Spirit. Okay. Verse 26. We actually may get through this chapter. Amen. Now, what's amazing is Paul is getting at the life of the Spirit in this, in this chapter here, in his writing. You come out from something that can't save you, it exposes, it condemns, but, but again, you cannot fulfill it. But with the life and the Spirit, we have a life that we have what the Spirit is. He is our comforter, he is our helper, he is our counselor. And watch one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. Verse 26, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what, we, what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So while we are waiting with patience for uh, Jesus to do uh, the end work, those who are here, the Holy Spirit helps us. And one of the ways while we wait patiently is the Holy Spirit groans as he intercedes for us. Because, verse 27, he who searches the hearts, God that searches the hearts, knows the mind, uh, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit is helping us. Life in the Spirit 
is new life that the Holy Spirit helps us live. That's why you can't go back to that whole chapter 7 stuff and say, well, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I'm just going to keep on sinning. Well, my flesh is weak. I guess I have an excuse because I'm a human being. Yeah. The Holy Spirit is with us. And in this sense, interceding for us, if, if you grew up Pentecostal charismatic, there's, there's a, always a, a kind of a shade there that maybe there's deep intercession uh, with the groaning of, of, of speaking in tongues that, that plays a role in that. But the Holy Spirit is interceding for us. Beyond our understanding, according to the will of God, to help us live this life as we wait patiently for the return of Jesus. Let's keep going. Verse 28. This is the verse most of you know, I think. Now with that, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he called. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. In other words, that the fullness of God is being revealed. God is working for your good. How many of y'all love him? He's working for, in other words, in this world where you may experience suffering, which he touched on a, a little bit ago in here, Whatever you're experiencing, suffering, the trials of life, in through that, God is the master of reaping where he didn't sow and bringing all things to his good. He's doing that for you. Have confidence. Amen. You know why? Because there was a predestination of calling, and those who responded, he's conforming you into the image of his son. Amen. And in that, there, there's a way of, in our followings and the glory of God is being revealed, not only now, but certainly then the fullness in the future. But God is doing his work, and we're in on it. And he's working for our good. Amen. If that's not encouragement, then let's just read out the rest of chapter 8. So now that we know that, what shall we say to these things? If you, if you notice in Romans, Paul asked a lot of questions. If God is for us, well, who can be against us? If we know that he's working for our good, if we know that he has brought us out from under what can't save us, but now we are in Christ Jesus, now we have the Spirit who helps us. If that is the case, who in the world can be against us? No one. For if he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not only not also uh, with him graciously give us all things? In other words, God will provide what we need to do this. What well, shall we bring any charge against God's elect? No, it's God who justifies who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's been glorified. He has ascended. And, and who also, by the way, is interceding for us. Now in that, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Absolutely not. For as it is written, 
For your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. In other words, the work of the gospel, the identification as the children of God brings these things. But even in that, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, there's no doubt, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You, you get discouraged, you go to Romans chapter 8 and read it. And by the time you get to chapter 9, I think you'll be encouraged. As a matter, matter of fact, it may put a little pop in your step. You may have to shout a little bit. I don't know. You, you might do that, get a little Pentecostal. That's, that's okay. It's all right. Maybe nobody will hear you. It's okay. Um, but find confidence. There is nothing that can separate us from his love. Nothing. Nothing. And in that, what can be against you? You have the Spirit. It's in you. We're living by the Spirit. He's helping us. Amen. He's interceding for us. Amen. You, listen, again, going back to chapter 7. You have what it takes not to be like that. Right? But not just beyond not living in sin any longer. You have what it takes to live this life in the way that he intends until he returns. So in life and the spirit, you will ultimately overcome your flesh, but you also live this life in a way that when he returns, you are in the kingdom. Amen? Amen? Amen. Have confidence. Have confidence. God's with you. God's for you. God's working for your good. Nothing can separate you from his love. Amen. All things are possible to those who believe. Amen. We live in it. Amen. All right. Got, got to end that with a little, little boob instead of some of this trudging along in Romans we've been doing. All right, verse 9, 10, and 11. Uh, we'll get to that the next time we're in Romans. They kind of go together. Then uh, starting in chapter 12, uh, he starts to deal with some different issues. Chapter 14 and 15 are very interesting chapters because it talks about the strong bearing with the weak and how they're to be together in the body of Christ and his definition of who is who. That may surprise you a little bit. And then certainly chapter 16 is sort of the, the final greetings, but there's some very interesting things in chapter 16 that we'll talk about when we get there. So anyways, so after tonight, we were halfway through the book of Romans. Take a deep breath. We'll keep trucking. Amen. All right, let's pray. And what, Lori, why don't you come down here while I'm praying, ladies? Any of the ladies would love to pray for Lori when I'm done. Uh, please come down. We want to pray for her to send her on her her uh, um, work trip. Okay, so come on down, Lori. Get down here. But ladies, while I'm praying, don't wait for me to be done. Come on down. We'll pray for her. Lord, we thank you to be here tonight to spend time in your Word. I pray, Lord, that that we we are into a way of living in the spirit that the holy spirit is helping us we're paying attention to him we're aware of what he's up to lord that we're not living in sin any longer but we're living in life in the spirit this new way of living that is opened up by jesus for us 
I pray that we live in a way that, Lord, that we are marked as the sons and daughters of God, worthy of the inheritance that we are receiving. So, Lord, help us. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.